Fourth Sunday of Advent. Fourth Sunday. Is that Christmas? No, actually, this year Christmas is on the 25th of December. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we still <laughs> we'll have a few days after. <laughs> this is the 22nd of December, so we'll have a few hmm. days after uh, yeah. before Christmas. Doesn't that happen sometimes, though, where the fourth Sunday of Advent is Christmas? That can happen, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so any number of things can happen, but not this year. <laughs> That's not this. Okay, moving on. So we're in the fourth Sunday of Advent, and this Sunday is, uh, you know, the Emmanuel Sunday. Yeah, we finally get talking about the birth of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but really quick, before we jump into that, any uh, comments from your homily yesterday? Um, homily yesterday. Did I preach? Yes, I did. It was... It was Gaudete. It was Gaudete. I... So here's the thing. I talked a lot about rejoicing and how... Um, I actually used a little bit of what we talked about with waiting, like the different types of waiting that we do. How do we, um, how do we see this as an anticipation, as something to grow and to develop with? Um, and as I've mentioned on the show, the Advent theme of my parish is making room for hope. Yeah. And so I looked at all of these ways that we um, fail to see that that excitement that anticipation that rejoicing mm, yeah as not yeah. making room for hope in our lives good 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 i like that yeah um i uh didn't get a chance to preach this weekend but um so i decided i've been posting my homilies as you know uh on youtube and so this week i decided to just for the sake of completion even though i don't preach on the weekend uh to just record kind of a mini homily um and so I posted, um, did you get a chance to see that I posted a mini homily? I did see that. I haven't watched it yet. You should. I posted one in English and one in Spanish. And I'm going to try and do that. My mom was encouraging me to do that because I have friends and family that, you know, that like listening to some of the homily and reflections that I do. And so they, um, they, yeah, they said, you know, for the sake of completion, keep doing it, even if I don't preach at the parish, um, which is great. I focused a lot on John the Baptist and uh -huh. what it would be like for him who you know, the week before was preaching and was out in the world, you know, rejoicing about the coming Christ. And then this week he's in prison and yet we're yeah. celebrating how we're supposed to be joyful. So right. what is it like for someone in prison to hear the the command to rejoice? So I reflected mm -hmm. on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this week, uh, as you were saying, we have finally some Christmas readings, which is <laughs> uh, refreshing. So yeah. not exactly the birth of Christ yet, but we're in the first chapter of Matthew and we're looking at uh, the uh, the archangel Gabriel speaking to Joseph, and then the prophecy of Isaiah about the virgin who yeah. shall conceive and bear a son. Emmanuel. Now, is this the only time that we really get some, like, full-on, we're talking about Joseph in the gospel? Um, I mean, I know he's yeah. there when Jesus is lost and, you know, et cetera, but, like, this might this be, is, yeah, the only. This is his big, like, his big moment. This is his big moment. I mean, we have him in the genealogies, right? So the genealogy is traced, is traced through Joseph. Um, and then we have Joseph present, you know, uh, with the needing to go for the census, you know, to Bethlehem. Right. Um, and all that. But as far as like a major encounter with God, this is it, right? That yeah. Joseph, Joseph the dreamer coming in contact with Gabriel. Um, yeah, this is his, this is kind of a shining moment. Joseph the dreamer. Does he have a coat of many colors? 
Well, I mean, actually, I mean, yeah, I know you're saying that kind of tongue in cheek, but that is one of the things that you could say about Joseph in the gospel is that, you know, um, Jonathan's alluding to how Joseph in the Old Testament and Joseph in the New Testament are both sort of parallels to each other. Both of them are dreamers, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, Joseph in the book of Exodus uh, is one who receives visions and dreams. And so does the Joseph here at the beginning of the gospel. What do you think of that? (laughs) Uh, I love things like that. I think I was not really being tongue in cheek. I was seeing if you picked up on that and you did good for you. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something interesting there of like, so maybe if you wanted to go that route for a reflection on who Joseph is, uh, you know, there's an explicit connection here, uh, through the dreaming with Joseph in the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't remember, Joseph is one of the sons of Jacob and he is in Egypt, uh, because he's sold into slavery by his brothers, but he becomes this great prophet for, uh, well, he becomes an administrator of the goods of Pharaoh and becomes also someone who, what, predicts famine? Is that what it is? Yeah, well, he he um, he predicted the famine in Canaan. Is that right? Where mm-hmm. they were all living, right? And that's why they moved to Egypt. Sure. And then, so I think Pharaoh what, forgot about him, and yeah. Moses said, "Let my people go." I think there's <laughs> something interesting if you think about how, like Joseph, in that context, isn't explicitly tied to the Exodus with Moses, but he's within the context of the Exodus narrative. So. What's interesting there is that then Joseph in the New Testament is also receiving visions that yeah. will lead to one being born who will be the deliverer of a people. Yeah, and they both bring their families to Egypt. Yeah, yeah. So there's an explicit, and I think there's something to be said here about Matthew. Matthew's gospel has a lot to do with Jesus being the new Moses. Right, right. The Sermon on the Mount. Right, right. You know, receiving the new law, the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. just like Moses received the law from the mountain, mm-hmm. etc. Um yeah, so a very clear parallel here of though we're focusing on Joseph, the message is clear in Matthew about Jesus. That remember a few weeks ago we were talking about who is this Jesus that we're we're going to receive. Well, I had preached on him being the new Noah. Uh, uh-huh. Then we talked about you know him being the new Adam when I was preaching on the Immaculate Conception. But here we could say that he's the new Moses. You know. Yeah, you know, and I, that's what I really love about well about the scriptures that it's it's so as Tolkien would say, applicable rather than allegorical, because he can mm-hmm. be the Moses, he can be the Noah, he can be the Christ. You know, all of these different figures come up and we've got different facets that we can focus on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what's cool too, though, is that if, so, I mean, that might be one route to go with, you know, thinking about how Jesus, who is this Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. That might be a good question for this week's gospel and for this week's readings generally, because we have the explicit parallel with Moses through Joseph, but then we also have the language of Isaiah, which is that one shall be born of a virgin and he shall be called Emmanuel, you know, and who is this Jesus but Emmanuel? Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, and I think a big part of it as well is, again, to kind of focus on the person of Joseph, look at the last sentence, the last part of the last sentence. He did as the angel um, of the Lord had commanded him. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's big. You mm-hmm, know, we can hear mm-hmm. all we want. You know, Jesus spoke explicitly about that. It's not all those that say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom mm-hmm. of heaven, but those mm-hmm. that do the will of my Father in heaven. Right. He right. did as right. the angel of the Lord had commanded. Right. That's for right. us as Which well. Is, 
which is no small thing, you know. Yeah. And th- thinking about Moses as well, receiving the command of God in the burning bush and being afraid to do so, you know. Right. Um, so I want to take a step back for a second because there's something that's been bothering me with these readings that as I was preparing for this conversation that I wanted to bring to your attention. Um, I I have been feeling recently, and I don't know how you think about this, but I kind of feel like one of the reasons that preaching during Advent has been difficult for me is because I have a tendency of like wanting to be clever in <laughs> my preaching yeah. or to be co- not complicated, but to be subtle and to find like new inroads for these readings where maybe the invitation, I don't know if you've experienced this or not, but like, especially with a reading set like this for the fourth Sunday of Advent, so close to Christmas, maybe the invitation is just a very simple message of the first line of the gospel. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. Yeah. You know, you know, I do think that a lot of the time we can get ahead of ourselves um, and we try to preach we try to preach the advanced class before we cover the fundamentals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, I think we see that a lot in church these days. A lot of young people don't have those fundamentals. Right. Um, right. You know, I, I try to preach like it's, it's a conscious effort on my part to preach simply. Um, so that it's not like I, I try to go deep and I try to really break open the word. But I also try to do it at an accessible level, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so that you know most people can can get it, can understand. Um, sure, sure. So I don't, you know, I don't try to be too terribly clever all that often, um, except with you know jokes and references here and there. Yeah. Um, but I do try to, yeah, I guess I do try to look at the Gospels, and I do this most of the time with the Old Testament readings. Because I, I, I've in my experience, those are the things that are skipped over the most, or mm. so overly spiritualized that it, they've lost their their bite. Mm. So yeah, 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 what yeah. I try to do is is hold on to that. Um, and if it's a reading that's that makes us uncomfortable, well, I try to sit with that. Do you see? Do you get a sense of that this week with the reading from Isaiah at all? Or well, I think it's yeah, I think so. I will not ask. I will not tempt the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I mean, it's hard because Isaiah is—he's um, not as doom and gloomy <laughs> as the other a lot of the other prophets, right? Um, and here he is, kind of foreshadowing the coming Messiah. Um, I think what Isaiah does brilliantly, and I was just talking about this this morning with some people, is he—he's really good at throwing everything upside down. Everything is on his head. You know, he's the one that we understand or where we get this idea that the Messiah will come, um, you know, the suffering servant, the, the Messiah will be somebody that comes to cure, wonder counselor, mm-hmm. uh, prince mm-hmm. of peace, not God of might and victory and conquest. And that is challenging because look at the world today. We do want somebody that's going to come in, I think, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just fix everything. Right. So you're, and so here with Isaiah's reading, a very simple message would just be to be thinking about the simplicity of one coming, right, as a, as a child of a virgin, right? God with us, Emmanuel. Yeah. I think, you know, like, yeah. Um, is it not enough for you to weary people? Must you also weary my God? Like, yeah. What is, what is actually at stake here? 
Um, and that's also the brilliance of a reading like we had today on the, the Monday of the third week um, of Advent, where Jesus is refusing to tell people where his authority comes from. Right. Is it right. heavenly or earthly? Like, mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. it's not one or the other. And that's hard to accept because we want to tie everything in a neat little package. Yeah, yeah. So so going back a little bit to the, the tendency that people might have or preachers might have with spiritualizing the text too quickly, um, trying to find like a profound thing to communicate to the congregation. Because I feel that temptation sometimes. It's like, I need to say something clever, something profound. So there's a tension here of like, how do you stick to the literal sense of the scriptures and then also have a fidelity to the spiritual sense of the scriptures without teetering too far to one extreme or the other? Because just a hyper literal reading of the text might be so boring, you know, yeah. for people who are so familiar with the the Christmas story that it's like, why am I just hearing someone preaching, telling me what's going to happen when I already know what's going to happen. But then if we fall into the spiritual sense too quickly, then I don't know. I just find that there's a temptation to then fall into like, how does this apply to my sure, life? Sure, sure, sure. You know? But you know um, what? I would push back on that because I, I get the feeling that people do think that about the literal um, reading, but that doesn't mean what? that they actually know what the, mm. what the Christmas story actually is. Like sure, they've got the sure. Hallmark version or the VeggieTales version in their minds. It's like, well, mm. that's not very helpful either. Right. So if, if, if we were going to focus on like, like my, tendency right now in this conversation is to think about how like how could i simplify my preaching in yeah. a way that well look at the is, song what's the response let the lord enter he is the king of glory yeah there it is say more elaborate i think i mean i think that's a pretty simple um concise way of saying what these readings are are trying to get at you know who is who is um this lord that we're talking about he is the king of glory and what are we supposed to be doing well, let him enter into our hearts. Yeah. And Christmas is just that, right? Letting yeah. him enter into our hearts and into our lives. And it just sounds, but it sounds so saccharine, right? So superficial to just talk about how God coming into our hearts, coming into our lives. You know? No, 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 no. It's not God coming into our hearts, into our lives. Let the Lord enter. I'm telling you, open up your heart because you're not doing that right now. Like it's a far, I read it at least as a far more active like, if you're not willing to let the Lord enter, if you're not willing to open up your heart, then guess what? That's not going to be a part of your life. Yeah, yeah. Well, keep going with that. Elaborate on that. How would you continue to preach on that? Like, what would you be preaching on? How would you connect it to the gospel? Well, I think it's, I mean, it is the gospel because it's, again, what we were talking about earlier with Joseph, um, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Mm-hmm. It would have been so much easier for him to to act on his first instinct, which was to do, to divorce and and leave Mary um, so as to not to shame her or whatever. And yet he chose to stick with it because the angel of the Lord told him to. Right. Through this difficult, knowing that, that this was not his son. Like, yeah. um, I can't even imagine. I don't know what the first century customs were around adoption, but I can't imagine it was a normal thing. Hmm. To raise yeah. a son, to raise a, a not your son as your son. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. I mean, as far as that, I mean, my understanding of adoption in the first century is that it was akin to belonging to the family by right. blood. Right. right. That you became blood related to, 
which is why we can say that Jesus is a descendant of David, even though he's not blood related to David because he's adopted by Joseph. Right. Um, And for us, I mean, there is something to be said there about us too. Like we're not, we're not begotten children of God. Right. We're adopted children of God, but adoption in, in our context as Judeo Christians is one of becoming blood relatives with God himself. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I do like your emphasis here on like the moral imperative or the spiritual imperative to like let the Lord enter. That's precisely what Joseph is doing, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you could you could focus there on the Emmanuel of saying like it's God with us, but are we right. with him? Right. <laughs> so like, right, right, right. you know, God wants to be with me, but he stands at the door and knocks, you know, yeah. and that's one of the great aspects of the Christmas story that I think gets forgotten is and this is really big in the Hispanic context in North America that, you know, the the posadas where you go door to door and you knock and you, right. you beg for someone to let you in. And I love that tradition. And it's something that may be lost a little bit in the Christmas story is that how are we how are we not opening the door to Christ, you know, to come and remain with right. us? Right. Um, cool. Any uh, parting thoughts here? Um, I would say let the Lord enter. He is the king of glory. <laughs> Amen. All right, man. Sounds good. Till next time. Talk to you later. Peace.